You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Andrew Gerza is an award-winning disability awareness consultant and the chief disability officer and co-founder of Handy, a sex toy company that puts pleasure within reach for disabled people. Andrew uses they-he pronouns and identifies proudly as disabled. Their work has been featured on BBC, CBC, Daily Extra, Gay Times UK, Huffington Post, The Advocate, Everyday Feminism, Mashable, Out.com, and several anthologies. He was the subject of an award-winning National Film Board of Canada documentary, Picture This. Andrew has been a guest on a number of podcasts, including Dan Savage's Savage Love and Cameron Esposito's Query. He has spoken all over the world on the topic of sex, disability, and what it means to be a queer cripple. He is also the host of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, which won a Canadian Podcast Award in 2021, a Queerty Award, and was chosen as an honoree at the 2020 Webby Awards. Andrew is the creator of the viral hashtag, Disabled People Are Hot. Hey, Andrew, thanks for being on Sexual Heroes today. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Okay. Well... Unlike other guests, we've been chatting for a while. For like six months now? Six months, probably, yeah. Just about, I think, yeah. And the first time I laid eyes on you that caused me to get in touch with you was when I saw this photo you posted on Twitter and you were wearing leather in your wheelchair. Yeah. And it was, I kind of did like um, a double take. (laughs) and thought, who is this sexy, handsome man in a wheelchair wearing leather you know, on top of it all? And, and it was you. And I, as soon as I saw the picture, I thought, I, this guy's going to be on Sexual Heroes. And oh, so nice. I, I reached out to you. And, you know, the more I researched you and researched you, the more and more I, I was sure that, you know, you were going to be a great guest. So first, let's talk about that picture. Which one is it? There's many, there's several of me in leather. Well, okay. Well, the the thing is, you know, I mean, I've I've seen guys at leather events in a wheelchair. Well, that's good because that never happens by itself. So good that you see that because yeah, that's very rare. That's a rarity. Okay, and but your photo was like a professional photo, like a modeling shot. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've had some shots done. Yeah, and you've been in porn. Yes, I have. Well. I want to start by talking about porn. Okay. This, I know you've been on Savage Love, but this is not Savage Love. So, no, I mean, you're, I'm looking at you right now with your shirt on. This is certainly, <laughs> this is certainly not Savage Love in any way. Okay. One of the things that we talked about in these past months was what would it be like or what would it look like if you and I did a porn scene together? Oh, wow. We're going to talk about that now. Okay. All right. I'm going to start. All right. So I imagined what a scene would look like with Andrew Gerza, but Robert Black style. Okay. So if I say anything during this podcast 
uh, I know that you're you're okay with people making fools of themselves and being inappropriate and saying the wrong thing. Yes, I'm totally okay with that. Don't okay, worry. okay. I'll just lead you in a better. I'll lead you in the right direction if you fuck up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so this is what I imagined. Explain to everybody what a Hoyer lift is. A Hoyer lift, for anyone who doesn't know, is a lift that a lot of disabled people use to get in and out of bed. So it's it's a big. It looks like a. It looks like something out of the medieval fucking times. Actually, is what it looks like. It's a big. <laughs> It's a big claw-like device that you attach a sling to, and then you put the person in the sling, and you lift them up, and you put them in bed. Right. Uh, or it can help you get to the toilet. Or the chair, or, or yeah, yeah, whatever, okay. whatever where, however you're transferring. Okay. So I am picturing you and me, and there's some other people involved, too. But you oh, were, oh, I didn't realize we were having a, an orgy. Well, it's not really an orgy. So I imagine... I am in the Hoyer lift. You're ha- okay. <laughs> I'm in the Hoyer lift and I am being my arms. Cause I, I love restraint and sex together. So there are some guys holding my wrists back and um, my legs apart and you are below me. Right. Cause I'm lifted up in the Hoyer lift. Yeah. And you've got the guys playing with your, nipples stroking your cock and i am lowered onto your cock i am am impaled on it i mean interesting i had no idea how that would work with the hoyer lift but i like that idea yeah (laughs) well i think the hoyer lift could lower me down and then one of the guys some strong guy could kind of like bounce me on your dick i mean because because well the hoyer the hoyer lift doing the bouncing would be real slow and not fun because the hoyer lift is designed to be medically like Slow. So this, I don't think, yeah, you'd have to have a guy bouncing you. But also, like, the other, I mean, I would envision me in the Hoyer lift. I think you in the Hoyer lift would be not a problem, but it would be because you, you don't use it. So I would, like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It would be harder if I was in the Hoyer lift because it's what I use every day. Okay. Um, but I like I like the direction of that fantasy, yes. The reason, well, the the thought of me being in the Hoyer lift came to me because I was listening to one of your podcast episodes. And I think it was when you were talking about doing the porn shoot with, for Davey Wavy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said on like downtime, some of the, the, the crew was getting into the Hoyer lift to check it out. I don't think it was for that one, but I did. It was for, I did a play in Toronto, a play about, sex and disability and one of the scenes I have to get in the Hoyer lift and so I said I said to the team like get in the Hoyer lift so you can see what I'm talking about and so they did so like yeah no you like you in the Hoyer lift doing that would be fun but like part of me is like what it's hotter if I'm in it because I'd use it every day okay but I get it I I understand okay (laughs) well we'll we'll have to work on that so did you have a scene in mind um I don't know. I just like sex. Mm. <laughs> I didn't have a scene figured out because, like, the more and more, like, I, I've only done two porns, and they're they're in. They've been in my house with all my equipment and like showing the disability and showing the intimacy. So, like, I'm less about doing a scene and more about like let's create intimacy together. Let's have a laugh. Let's make it fun and get off and do all the things that we do in porn or we do in sex. But let's show it authentically i think porn and i'm sure you can attest to this like it's very 
sleek. It's very produced. It's very like there's cutaways. It's, and I, with my body and disability, I can't do that. I can't, I can't emulate that. I can't cut away and then switch and go into this position and I can't do any of that. So mm-hmm. for me, porn is a lot less about the fantasy and more about what is the reality of fucking hot disabled person. Here's what it is. How did that come about with Davy Wavy? Davy Wavy had contacted me about two and a half years ago and said, I have someone that emailed me and said, because we had been friends, we sort of been chatting about stuff. Somebody connected us. And so he said, I had somebody email me who's in a wheelchair and they want to do a porn and they want to get face fucked. And I don't know how to produce that. Can I sit with you on the phone for an hour? And can you walk me through how I make this porn happen for this wheelchair using guy? Can we, can we talk about it? And I was like, sure. So I, I got on the phone with him and I was a little bit like, Oh, I wanted to like do one. And we were talking about it. So I, I walked him through and I told him what to do for this scene he was producing with this other guy. And I was like, well, what, which porn star are you getting? And he told me and I was like, okay, great. So like <laughs> tell them, you know, you're going to want to shoot the scene based on whatever the wheelchair user can do and just make it really simple and don't overproduce it and just let it be. And so we did that and it was produced and the scene is up on his website and it's great. And I was happy to be a part of it. But then he reached out to me about a year and a bit later and said, we're doing, uh, we're do, we want to have you for our two year anniversary. We want amateur people to, to emulate porn you see on the site. So he said, I know you want to do some porn. Would you want to do this? And I was like, fucking sure. Yeah. Like, yes, I want to. Sure. But I didn't know who to go to to have a scene partner. So I I contacted my sex worker, John Shield, and just said, like, you know, we work together. I trust you. Would you do this with me on camera? I think it's important and, like, groundbreaking. Would you do this? And he said, oh, yeah, sure. As long as, you know, we can figure out how it works and how it's going to look. Sure. Sure. I'll do it. So we talked it over and we figured out like, there's a, there was a scene on Davy Wavy's website called brothers where they're like bros and they fuck around. And he's like, okay, this kind of scene looks like something you and I could do based on your disability and your body. And it's really, it's an easy sex scene. There's not a lot of like movement. We can do this. Mm-hmm. So we spent a couple of days chatting about it. I like made sure that everybody was happy and comfy. And then he and I watched the scene a bunch figured out like he came over a couple hours before we shot and I was like, okay, I said to him, I want my wheelchair to be involved. I want all my things that I use every day when I get in and out of bed to be shown. I I think this is important for porn for people to see this is how it happens. And so we spent a lot of time figuring out where the wheelchair is going to be, how it's going to be blocked, how it's going to be staged. And it was really cool because we made an effort to show like, this is disabled sex. This is not, it's not been overproduced. It's not been like cut away to show me magically in bed all of a sudden. It's like, this is how, this is what it's going to be. And I think it was really exciting for me to do that because I'd never seen that on film before in porn at all. And I watched mm-hmm. a lot of gay porn and I had never seen or done anything like that before. So it was really, really powerful for me. And I'm really proud of that. To someone who would say, well, you're being objectified or exploited or fetishized what do you say to that no i'm not i asked for it i agreed to do it i'm not and besides which i think fetishization especially in the disability community 
is really people get scared of being fetishized. They get scared of being, you know, of of being fetishized in the wrong way and dehumanized. And I think that there's a big line between being fetishized in a positive way where you have control over how you're, you're seen and being dehumanized. And I think for me, I play, I play around with the fact that I have a disability. My scruff name right now is big, dick crip. Like <laughs> I make jokes about my big joystick. Like I, it's something that I play with, with myself because I think why, why not, why not bring some of that humor to it so that if I'm with somebody who has never been with a wheelchair user before and they want to mess around, they know that it's okay to play. Like I don't, I think if someone says to you, you're dehumanizing me, then okay, that's a problem. But if like, they're just trying to, trying to learn, then I think it's fine. And, and in this instance, there was no fetishization there. I ask, I agree to do it. I'm, I don't, and I think disabled people deserve to be objectified positively and, and seen as like sexual beings and people. And I think, I don't, I think there's a huge line between objectification mm-hmm. and fetishization and just seeing yourself as a positive sexual person. And that's how I see myself. And really, I mean, everyone in porn is objectified. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point. point. Like that's, <laughs> we know what we're doing when we turn on the camera and start to suck a dick. Like we know, we know how it's going to be consumed. So you might as well lean into that a little bit. Sex is an issue for many disabled people. Yeah. Uh, a big following on sexual heroes. I have a lot of uh, baiters who follow this, my podcast and I'm yeah. big in the bait culture. I know. And, I've watched you eat your cough bread. Uh, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen things go down. I've watched all your stuff. I know. We take masturbation for granted because it's not something everyone can do. Yeah. It's not something everybody has access to. So for me, I lost the ability to self-pleasure. I, I want to say three or four years, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's really emasculating. And because of that, sometimes now that I can't self-pleasure and I can't just rub one out when I'm feeling horny or feeling sexual, sometimes my body will auto ejaculate, which is super embarrassing because you'll be in the middle of a talk or a podcast or like just out having your day. And all of a sudden, Oh, body wants to release it now. Or like, or because I don't have access to my body the way that I want to, I'll have one sexual thought and I'll come, which is like, Oh, that's great. Now I have to deal with that. So it's, there's, a lot of shame around that. So yeah, it's just, it's something that I am working on with my sister. We have a sex toy company currently called handy, but the name is in flux of possibly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working to create the first line of sex tech for and by disabled people um, to help people with hand limitations and hand disabilities still have access to pleasure and still have access to their bodies in a way that isn't confined to the toys that are on the market because a lot of, a lot of uh, master masturbatory toys are not accessible. So we wanted to change that. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes perfect sense and sounds great. Yeah. We're really, we're, we're excited. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to get it up and going, but we're excited when it, when it's going to drop. The, you created the hashtag disabled people are hot. Yes, I did. So it, it went viral. Like it's gotten big. Yeah, I mean, it's not so big anymore, but when it first, like, launched a couple years ago, it was pretty big. Like, I used to think going viral, it was, and it was really, it was, it wasn't something that I planned on doing. I literally went on Twitter one day and typed in, disabled people are hot as a sentence and put it out there. And then as I was looking at the sentence on Twitter, I was like, 
I wonder if there's a hashtag with that already. And I was like, somebody for sure somewhere has made it a hashtag. So I put it in and there was like, no, it said like, oh, there's no hashtags using that. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's something I could do with that here. So I put a picture of myself on the Twitter and said, if you, if you're disabled and you have a picture of yourself that makes you feel sexy or hot or good, please use the hashtag disabled people are hot. And so I did it before I went to bed and within a couple hours, I had like five or six retweets. I was like, okay, all right. It's not it's really going to go anywhere. And you, you never know with online, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I woke up, I had like 20 plus tweets. Like it couldn't even show me how many tweets I had. I had a ton of tweets left. And I, then, then I was getting emails from France and LA and from oh, wow. like all these outlets saying we want to, we want to have, we, can we talk about your hashtag? And I was like, what even happened? Cool. You use the, the pronouns they and he. Yep, I'm just recently started using they. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it's not so much like a gender shift. It's more about me being like, fuck you to the queer male establishment that doesn't see my body as something that's valuable. So oftentimes when I go to queer spaces, I don't feel like I fit in terms of like hyper-masculine, um, super aggro. Like I don't, I can't go to the gym. I don't do it. Like I don't fit what a queer cis gay male is supposed to be which whatever that is it's arbitrary but so for me saying they it's like that way i don't have to try to conform i don't have to try to um become this version of gayness or queerness that i don't that i can't because of my disability to hear too so i started using they kind of just to like give myself the freedom to do whatever i wanted to do and express myself however i wanted to without feeling confined to the label of like what a, a gay disabled male is supposed to look like or be yeah gay culture is rough sometimes sometimes <laughs> yeah gay culture is rough I, I know even for me preparing for this podcast interview i i ran it through my head a, a hundred different ways and thought about oh you were just I, thinking about the porn we're gonna do don't well that yeah i mean there's that but i thought about i i was reconsidering language that I would use. Can I say that? Or should I say this? Or can I say that? I think that a lot of people who, who are not disabled, able-bodied, um, or non-disabled, yeah, non-disabled, they, uh, what's the word? They're scared to say something the wrong way or, you know, it's like, it's scary. Yeah. To interact with someone and feel like you're going to do something wrong. And I, I can respect that. But I mean, I, I mean, just think about what you just said. You just said it's scary to interact with someone, which which for me as a disabled person is like, oh, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. Why are you scared? Like, so to that, I ask you, what are you afraid of? Like, other than fucking up. Right. Like there's there's a deeper meaning to that fear. So I'm curious, like what? What do you mean when you say you're afraid? Well, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to offend somebody or hurt them. And? And? I feel like there's more, like, what I'm getting at is, that do you have, because a lot of people, I think they're scared to talk about disability because of that, but also, you know, the conditioning we have around disability and the way we, the way we don't talk about it and and some of the stuff that we've, some of the historical views on disability are like oh they're they they can't think they can't Mm -hmm. they can't speak they're not 
they're lesser than we are or you know you might catch disability or like so i wonder like what if there's any of that playing for you in the back of your head like well and i I, whatever's going on in the back of my head could be totally different from what's going on in the back of somebody else's head i mean isn't that part of what you're doing with disability after dark your podcast is like bringing these kind of conversations to the forefront so pe- there is less awkwardness and more yeah, in- yeah. In- integration and, yeah exactly and so what i was asking what i was trying to get at was like i want to get into the meat and and, and the the dirtiness of like where is the discomfort where does it come from why is it scary like i think that's really important because you could you can easily say oh, i don't want to offend anybody so i won't say anything but i think there's a deeper thing there of like what are you afraid of are you afraid of hurting the person are you afraid of uh, becoming disabled yourself are you afraid of like are you afraid of them because of their disability like there's i'm not saying you have this but i'm saying mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. say like oh i just didn't want to say the wrong thing and it's like but why like where where else does that come from so you know we we for hundreds of years we've, we've been taught that disability is not something we talk about so that kind of cultural thing takes a while to shift but it's a shame that in 2021 people are still afraid to speak and and to to try i mean i think it boils down to try it if you fuck up i me i can only speak for me but i would correct you and be like and i just did you said you said able-bodied and i said or non-disabled like i think that people without disabilities have to sit with their own discomfort they have to realize what they're uncomfortable about like when it comes to sex and disability i have guys tell me all the time oh i don't do guys in wheelchairs or oh i can't you know, I, I couldn't really be with you because you'd need care. Or I couldn't really be with you because I need to help you or like I'd have to do all the work or I, you, I won't enjoy it in bed with you. Like, and I'm always like, well, where does that come from? Like, where, why do you feel the need? First of all, why did you feel the need to tell me that? And secondly, where does it come from? Why, what are you afraid of? So I love on my show to sit with, I'm going to have you on as a guest for one of these episodes eventually. Um, to have, I love having porn stars on, particularly and queer, queer non-disabled gay men, and asking them like, what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow? How do you think your life would change? Because it really gets them to sit and interrogate. Oh yeah, my life might be totally different, and I never thought about this stuff before. And I, I love giving them that light bulb moment to be like, oh now, now I'll think about it some more. Like that, it's really powerful. Well, and I have given it thought since meeting you well i mean if we're gonna fuck into porn you you're gonna <laughs> have to think no i'm kidding but i mean i'm, I'm glad <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be able to start those conversations mm-hmm. and get people to think about that speaking of conversations and com- conversations between two non-disabled people about sex can be awkward for yes. a lot of people what are those conversations like for you beyond what is it any more awkward for you or? Yeah, because I have to, I would have to talk about needing help. I'd have to explain that I can't position myself the way that I want to all the time. I would have to explain to them, like, you will have to undress me. You will have to move. Like, you're going to have to make sure I get in and out of bed. I might also have to explain. I also have chronic illnesses like IBS and other things that might mean that I made shit on you during our you know fun time which isn't it's not a fun conversation always but it's honest and i'm like if you want to if you want to get with me 
Like, these are the things that I have to contend with. So we have to talk about it. And so I think when you're with a disabled person for the first time, those conversations are vital, but also those conversations, I think, create a deeper bond with the person. If I'm telling you the honest truth, like, then you tell me what you're afraid of. Like, I, I love to sit with my partners before we fuck, like, and say, okay, what do you want to do? You want to do, you want to, okay, you want me to eat you out? Great. Here's what you want to do. Here's what the reality is. Here's how we get there. And like, break down, okay, what I'm going to, I'm going to, in order for me to eat you out, I'm going to need you to be comfortable, like, squatting over my face for 20 minutes and me to be in this position and you to help me get in that position. And like, so it's, it's it breeds, breeds <laughs> it breeds a, it breeds a a much more honest um i think bond and i i appreciate it. it's not easy to do because sometimes i just want to get on a scruff see how guy have my dick sucked and then you can go home but i'm forced to have a conversation about what my needs are and that can be liberating but also really exhausting sometimes i don't want to but it's, it's important and i think we all should whether we're disabled or not strive to have those conversations before we hook up with anybody because then you really get to know who you're who you're sleeping with. Absolutely. I don't want to forget this. Um the leather that you were wearing in that first picture I saw you in. Yeah. And I've I've seen you in other pictures with leather. What, tell me about that. Um what's that mean to you? What does leather mean? Well leather leather I I put on leather the first time about seven years ago. Not in that picture, but I put on a harness for the first time and chaps like seven years ago, my friend came over who does leather stuff and we dressed me up in leather and I'd never done anything like that before. And I remember seeing myself doing that and cry and I cried because I was like, Oh, this is a way that I get to express my sexuality. I can't fuck you up against the wall. I can't be super like physical, but if I wear a harness, I all of a sudden I can be a sexual being again. And so it was a really powerful moment for me. And it's still not easy for me to get into my leathers and I have to get somebody to like dress me up in them, which is a whole other conversation with my care staff. But Mm. doing that for that shoot was, I love that photo. And if if the one I'm thinking of is the one you're thinking of, like it's more, I have my arm up and I'm smiling weird. Right. Yeah. That one. Um, So, but I love that shoot because that was not the first time that I'd done leather, but it was the first time that I had publicly been like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, put this out there as my brand photo for the sex stuff I do. So that was really cool. But it just means that I get to be sexual and it means that I get like, yes, I'm down to fuck just like you are. It might just look different than what you're expecting, but here's my, here's my um, way of showing that. The other way that I show it is I have a bunch of tattoos. I have a tattoo of um, a leather guy on my chest in a wheelchair. I have the word queer cripple on my chest. I have the word, I have a, a unicorn in a power wheelchair going up a rainbow ramp. He's, he's like super jacked. So I have all these, these like things on my body so that if I can't wear leather, I can still be like, look, I'm a total faggot slut like the rest of you. Mm-hmm. I just can't, I just can't show it the same way. Um, and so the tattoos I think are more powerful for me than the leather because when you're fucking me or, or, or messing around, you have to look down and see queer cripple. You have to look down and see the leather guy in a power chair. You have to confront the fact that you're fucking a disabled person right now. And I kind of like that to be like, look, these are the things you have to, 
you're going to have to get over if you're going to get naked with me. Mm. Wow. I, I do have a question. It's, see, this is one of those examples of, can I ask it or should I not ask it? Yeah, ask but, it. Okay, Go on. okay, I'm just going to ask it and then you can tell me whatever. Okay. Yes, I'll leave with you. The answer oh. is yes. Okay, so I did think to myself, because you, you posted recently something about used disabled, not, I think it was handicapable. Yes, exactly. And then I thought, well, disabled, that kind of sounds like it would be negative and as opposed to handicapable. And then I thought, well, what about something like alt-abled? So I'm just okay. curious, is it okay? I, I want to ask you about that. Like what about that word disabled and, and why that's the best word? It's the best word because it's the one that the community has chosen for themselves. They reclaimed it just like how I call myself a faggot. Mm-hmm. We have reclaimed and or just like how I have the word queer, like we've reclaimed it. But I think for each person, it's different. So mm-hmm. I think just like how we're asking trans and non-binary people right now, hey, what are your pronouns? What do, how, how would you like me to refer to you? We need to do the same when it comes to uh, disabled people. Instead of instead of choosing a a word that we didn't choose, like all disabled, which just feels really weird. And my mm-hmm. advice would be to never use that. Um, uh, you know, ask the disabled person to be like, okay, how would you, how would you like me to refer to your disability? And if they say, if they said special needs, if they said disabled, you just, okay, mm-hmm. great. That's all. That's And yeah, it takes work. And yeah, you're going to have to like, you know, be mindful of what the, what they're asking you and you're going to stumble and you're going to fuck up and you're probably going to say something that isn't what they asked you to. But I think, and I can only speak for me as a disabled person, when you fuck up, I want to guide you back to, to, and if I'm asking you to, to use language like disabled or queer cripple or like whatever language I've asked you to use for me, it means that I give a fuck about you and it means that I care about you and I want you to be part of my life. So I'm asking you to use disabled. Mm. And also people think disabled is a bad, is a bad word. And there, there were negative connotations to it. There will always be, but we've reclaimed it. So I think that if someone says, say disabled, call, please refer to me as disabled, you just say, all right, no problem. But if somebody beside them said, refer to me as, you know, as special needs or differently abled, which I've heard around, you also would do that. It really, it's a very personal choice. Mm-hmm. I think for, if you're talking to a large group of disabled people, you would say, persons with disabilities or disabled people. And if somebody says, I would prefer if you call me this, then you do it on an individual basis. But I think what happens to a lot of non-disabled people is they will, they're trying to be polite and they're trying to be inclusive. So they unintentionally will say, will say stuff like, Oh, you're so handy capable. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who the fuck taught you that? Way? I didn't tell you. I had a, I had a, I don't, I've told this on my show before, but I'll tell it again. I had a porn star, or not, I had an escort once. We're going to fuck. And he want he was very persistent on fucking me. And I was like, okay, fine, fine. So he comes over and he saunters in my house. I've not met this person ever. He's a stranger, basically. And he flops on my couch and he goes, Oh, I saw your profile and I thought you were so handy capable. And I was like, all right. Well, I've already paid you the money and you're here and I'm horny. So I'll just let that go and I won't bring it up, but ew. And so 
I didn't say anything. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay. And then so we started doing the things. We started like fooling around and fucking around. And as we're fucking around, he whispers in my ear like, hey, hey. I was like, yeah, I was going, are you okay? What's wrong? He goes, um, I just want to tell you, you have such a good heart. And I was like, pardon me? My dick is hard. I'm trying to fuck you. I don't even know your, I don't even remember your name at this point. I just would like to fuck around. What? And he goes, well, because you're in a wheelchair and you're just such a good person. And I was like, okay. And so we finished, I, I came because I was like, I'm already there. I'm going to just finish, but I'm never going to book you again because it was so awkward. And so like, it really turned me off the whole event because I was like, you didn't, like, if you had just talked to me before saying handy capable, we would have right. never had to get there. And then if you didn't whisper weird things like, you're such a good person. It's like, you don't even know me. I hired you for an in, for like an out call session for an hour. We're not best friends. You, I could be a horrible person. You don't know. Just because I'm disabled, I'm somehow angelic. And so it makes me upset when people use language for us without consulting us first. And I think that's why a lot of disabled people have issues with words like handicapable or special needs because you didn't ask us what we wanted first. Yeah. Well, as soon as you said reclaim, I got it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that came up for me was when you said like queer and faggot reclaiming those words, because to me, this is, you said everybody's different. To yeah. me, those words will forever be negative and bring up some horrible feelings and memories. Yeah, exactly. So for you, Robert, I wouldn't I wouldn't use that language right. because you just told me that it's not language that you use. So I would respect that. And we need to do the same for the disability community. Some for some people that language it hurts and that's it's fine. But I think we need to start having conversations with individuals about what their individual needs are. Mm-hmm. Those are called the access needs. And we need to ask them like what feels good to you, what doesn't feel good to you and why. And we're not doing that enough. We just, and in the blanket community, in the, in the non-disabled community, stuff like special needs or like I have the word cripple on my chest. Some people in the disability community don't like that. They, they think it's just, I call myself cripple in, I'm going to do a presentation in like an hour after we record this. And I'm going to call myself a cripple during the whole thing. And I know some people with disabilities are going to be like, oh, I don't like that. That's not for me. But I always say I'm not speaking for every single disabled person mm-hmm. when I say something. I'm sharing, like, you've seen my Twitter. My mm-hmm. Twitter says very explicitly I'm sharing my experiences of disability with you. I'm not speaking for anybody else. And that's kind of how I do my activism, too. I'm not talking for everyone, or at least I'm not trying to. And if I do, believe me, if I do, I get called out real fast. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I try to just share my experiences and hope that it resonates. And when I say cripple and stuff like that, people pay attention. So then I can talk about stuff like ableism and I can talk about other stuff because they go, oh, he just said cripple. I better listen to what his next words are. <laughs> and then I can say like, okay, let's talk about ableism. Let's talk about this. I want to talk about BDSM. Amazing. I want to know if you're wearing pants underneath. Are you wearing yeah, pants? I'm wearing pants. That's not the answer I wanted. All right, I'm not wearing pants. Okay, good. I now I know you're lying, but also good. Um, since meeting you, I've thought about BDSM and how 
how carefully that has to be navigated between two non-disabled people and what that would look like for somebody who is disabled. And, and then I was getting these images and I was kind of like, wow, that, that feels creepy to me. You can just say you're getting turned on by thinking about fucking me. I know it's fine. It's okay. Don't worry. (laughs) What I was thinking was, you know, Okay, so I'm mostly submissive when it comes to SM, and I just gonna make some notes. Just gonna, yeah. <laughs> Let me just so I like being restrained. Um, I like getting flogged. Uh, you know, uh, restrained and penetrated. And I thought, well, if I was into to say it. Mm-hmm, intimate, into it, yes. Oh, into it, yeah. Um, if I were disabled, would somebody even be comfortable? restraining me and, and, you know, asserting their power over me when I was already in a vulnerable, you know, in, in reality, being in a vulnerable position. Well, this is why we have to have conversations like we do in BDSM with pre-care and aftercare. Talk to the person, maybe the person with disabilities likes to be restrained because they like the pressure, but you won't know that unless you ask them. Like, you can't just assume because they're like, I had somebody once we were fucking and he goes, Oh, I like this because you can't run away. And I was like, ew, no, we're done now. The scene is over. Get late. Like, no, no. But you know, then that's, you know, that was creepy and weird and I didn't like it. And I was like, get mm-hmm. out, we're done. But in terms of BDSM, we know that BDSM is actually a pain reliever. So a lot, when I was working on, um, the sex toy. My sister and I also wrote, like, curated a book called The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability, which you can get it at that's handy.co. Order it right now. Um, but we, we created a book and we put in a chapter about disability and BDSM. And everyone said, BDSM is great if I have chronic pain because I can control the kind of pain that I'm having. And it takes away from the disability pain and turns me on. So I think that you just have to have a conversation with your partner about, Hey, what are your fetishes? What are your kinks? What are your hard stops? Like it's really boils down to what you're, what I'm hearing from you. And I believe this anyway, gay men are horrible at at communication. We're the worst. It's absolutely one of the things that we do not know how to do. We are literally the whole, we're so bad at it. Unless I'm waggling my dick at you, then all of a sudden you you will speak. But if, if I want to just talk to you, like, that's impossible. So I think we need to recognize that there's a horrible, horrible issue with communication in our community. And if we just talked about it more, like maybe if you were disabled and you were restrained and that's okay, maybe not, but we'd have to have a conversation. Like, but I think BDSM and uh, disability is a great area to, to, to explore. Mm. And then there's the other side of, the coin a disabled person who wants to be in a dominant role and has to be especially clever about how to assert that power i can be dominant over you mm-hmm. and i can do that with my voice and i can do that with telling you what to do like there's different ways to assert dominance that are not physical right. i can't move when i'm in bed with my sex worker or with the person that i want to fuck i can't do much physically but I can fucking tell you to get up my dick and suck it harder now. Like I know how to, I know how to do all that. Like I know how to be very forceful when I want to, but for me, like I'm less dominant 
and I'm more of a switch. I like being submissive similar to you because in my day-to-day life with my caregivers, I have to tell them every step of what to do from the minute they're here to the minute they leave, which is up to five hours a day. I have to be very much like, do this, do it this way. So when I get in bed with particularly an able-bodied person, my sex worker, I don't know if you know John Shield, but hey, John Shield, you're awesome. Um, uh, So when I get in bed with him, I let him tell me what we're doing. I don't run the scene. I like that because I get to just let go. I get to just be a dirty slut and be totally taken away into this awesome moment that I don't get to experience very often. And I get to be told what we're doing. And that's really exciting for me because in my day-to-day with my caregivers, I have to be in control all the time. So mm-hmm. the let go of control is a really powerful and fun area to play around in. Yeah. Well, uh, makes sense. I mean, a lot of people who are submissive have jobs where they are, have to be in total control all the time and make decision after decision. So that's why they like a submissive role. Yeah. But I also heard you just now, you use the term able-bodied, but before you corrected me when I use the term able-bodied, so you need to, uh, clarify. Yeah. Um, well, it's interchangeable. Sometimes, sometimes I say able-bodied, sometimes I say non-disabled. It, though that particular piece of the language for me anyway is interchangeable. Um, and I think I get, but similarly, if somebody was to make a mistake, like, you called me in and said, Hey, can you talk more about this? I think we're not doing enough of that. Like, Hey, I'm confused. Why did you use it here? And then not here. I think, you know, we have to have more of those conversations around language, around disability. And I'm glad we did. So I'm not sure I got the answer. <laughs> so was it, I don't know if there wasn't, I use the term able-bodied and you clarified me. You said but I said, or not disabled. I didn't say, Oh, okay. Or I said, or not disabled. I didn't say, it has to be. Ah, got it. Like, got I it. think a lot of the stuff with language around disability is contextually dependent. So if, again, somebody might, might like able-bodied, some disabled people use ableds to refer to, dis- to non-disabled people. So it just depends on who you're talking to, I think. Yeah. But it's not, it's, none of it is hard and fast, mm-hmm. at least for me. It's all, for me, it's very fluid. And if so, I also listen to how, somebody is using the language. So if you call me a cripple and I didn't ask you to, and you were like, Hey, Google, fuck you. That's the problem. But if we're fucking around and I'm sucking your dick and I say, I tell you to call me cripple. Why wouldn't you? Or mm-hmm. if we're, if, if we're friends and I've known you for a long time and you call me, Hey, gimp, like, Hey, cripple, what up? Like it's, it's for me. And only if I can only speak for me, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of you understand me. You get what my life is. And I want to bring you into that experience with me. And I don't want to keep you out. That doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. Mm-hmm. I just want to let everybody know they should follow you on Twitter for sure. The so Twitter. they don't miss out on some of your awesome posts. Like recently, this is just one of many examples, but you posted your idea of having the restaurant where the servers are all in wheelchairs and the place is called Meals on Wheels. I just thought it was funny. I'm a, I'm a dork. I just thought it was really cute. And I was like, oh, let's just put it out there. Like, I like, I like putting stuff in pop culture that we've never thought about before around disability. Like, I've also said, like, I think I posted one recently where I said, like, you know, what if we had a drag race season that was all wheelchair users? 
that was just all and all of the challenges were I don't watch Drag Race religiously or anything, but I was like, it's a big popular thing. How cool would it be to have all of the challenges be how do we make drag more accessible? And showing the world that this is a thing. Like I just like doing that on my Twitter because it's a place where I get to be silly and put ideas out there. I love it. Is there anything else you want to make sure my listeners here before? Yeah, I would also urge you to urge. I would urge you to um, to follow me on Instagram too, at the same place. So Andrew Gerza underscore on Instagram and Twitter, but also to download my award-winning podcast, Disability After Dark, which is which was at one time a sex, a sexuality and disability podcast, and is now just kind of morphed into like a disability everything podcast where I talk about just anything I want to around disability. And I talk with guests about their experiences and Robert will be on the shows one day soon to talk, to just to, to have more of this conversation and for me to be a horrible flirt for like an hour. But uh, I would urge you to go listen to that. If you want to learn more about the lived experience of disability in a fun, comfy environment. And congratulations on the award you won recently. That's just great. Thank you. Oh, it was so, it was so, I mean, I sort of knew I was going to win. Like, I didn't know, but they had told me months before, like, can you make us a video of you giving an acceptance speech? And I was like, so you're basically telling me that I won without telling me that I won. Awesome. Uh-huh. Cool. So like I knew it was coming, but I never expected it. Cause I make similar to you. Like I can see your setup we make the show out of our bedroom. Like we don't, I have no production team. There's no team behind me doing anything. It's me being like, Oh fuck. I want to make a show. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really proud that a little show that I make out of my bedroom that I never thought would go anywhere or anybody would listen to or care about has amassed like over 400,000 downloads and is, you know, got an award, which, which is really cool and is really humbling, but it's important also because, Disability media is not given representation. So to know that something about disability won a Canadian podcast award is really cool. We need to have more conversations. I just need to watch you come on bread again. And then, I mean, I'm. It was a Twinkie. Was it? It looked like bread. Oh, it was a Twinkie. And just so you know, it made me come. So. Oh. Feel feel proud about that, I guess. (laughs) But but I really enjoyed sitting down with you. We've been planning this for a few months now. So it was such a pleasure. Absolutely. And I look forward to talking to you again. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. For information with links about a guest on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes. And please be sure to follow me on Twitter at Robert Black XXX. Thanks for listening. Oh.